Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Joseph Fordham and this is NPLH In Conversation With, the football podcast that isn't about football, brought to you by NPLH Studio. NPLH is more than a podcast. Once you've hit the follow button, visit nplhmag.com to enjoy online reads, subscribe to our newsletter and browse our collection of magazines, prints and apparel. On to the show. Hello. I'm Joe Fordham and you're listening to NPLH In Conversation With, the podcast where I speak to interesting and influential people from within the football landscape, in my opinion anyway. In this episode, I meet MLS footballer turned leading creative Ethan White. We discuss, among other things, the harsh realities of pro football. It doesn't matter who you are, um, it doesn't matter how well you play or how well you do or you know what your name is, where you're from. They're expendable. And the expansive impact a career in photography has had on his life. I went to the refugee camps and, and they were building fields for the, the Syrian refugees. One, seeing what the sport did for them, just kind of rolling balls out and letting these kids play. But two, being able to document it as a photographer was, was incredible. Attention to detail and perfectionism are two of the traits Ethan thanks for his success as an athlete and a creative. Given that I was baking biscuits instead of checking my kit in the lead up to this conversation, I think I could learn a thing or two from him. Enjoy. Hello. Yes, Ethan. How you doing, mate? Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. good. Really good. You uh, you look almost exactly like the portrait I just tracked down of you earlier on. To use on our artwork. Almost the same hat. Oh, I was going to say, isn't the same hat? <laughs> How's the day been? It's been good. It's been quite the day, but um, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm I'm sitting down with you now. Thank you for for joining. Um, being able to do it. I know it's late for you, but oh no, it's all good. I've actually been um, it's probably like the early days of middle age hitting me now. I've been baking for tomorrow. Oh, nice. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, not the most exciting Friday night I've ever had. No, that's that sounds that sounds that sounds like a good Friday night to me. Have you been shooting today? No. So today I I actually went looking at an uh, an apartment. Um, but also just uh today was more of like a prep day for for a lot of projects coming up. I feel like work always comes in waves, and I feel like right now is kind of like the lull period before you kind of feel like a big wave coming. So I know I've I've like a, a, like three or four big shoots coming up. So kind of prepping for those. So production creative kind of dumping brain dump onto paper and then making the most of the quiet time so i can kind of you know be ready to go what yeah what is a what does preparing for a shoot look like i mean for for me it's it's mainly creative like i've actually kind of tried to get more into creative direction than, than photography now um so really it's like a lot of brain dumping and then like thinking about who i want to put in the right places to kind of bring together my vision um but when i'm actually shooting myself it's really the kind of the same steps of just like not worried about bringing as many pieces together um for these upcoming projects it's it's, it's going to be basically more only just me uh, outside outside from one so um that's really just kind of making sure that i'm you know effectively getting my vision and making sure like i'm eliminating variables and all that kind of stuff uh, that's kind of making sure like i want this light like this and i want this light like this and kind of practicing and that that kind of stuff i guess there's just so many more things to worry about as a creative director right you've, you've added more to your plate yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah. but you know it's 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 great to have a little bit more control in terms of like just kind of bringing a vision to life but it is a little bit more stressful for sure is that like a natural progression moving into the creative direction from the photography is that something you had in mind when you set out as a long-term 
pathway? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I always kind of had a, I always wanted to just kind of just have more of a creative input and, and kind of like put my stamp on how I view things to view the world, view sports, view football in particular. Um, and I think my shoe in and my way in was kind of like my way of expressing myself was kind of through the, through the photography. I love to, you know, some people might write, some people might, you know, paint, some people might, you know, various different, you know, mediums. For me, photography was my way in of kind of expressing myself and how I saw the world and, you know, the sport and kind of want to document my life. So like creative direction was kind of like the next step. And also this way that you, you're kind of getting a, a larger chunk of the budget <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if you're, if you're apartment hunting, I guess that comes in handy. Exactly, exactly. In Manhattan, yeah? Yeah, Upper East Side. Yep, my fiance and I live in Upper East Side. Same apartment that I, you know, that I retired in, so we haven't moved yet. Yeah, where are you about? So I'm in a town called Leon Sea, which is um, about 40 miles east of London. Are you, are you, uh, that's your hometown? Is that where you're from as well? No, no, no. I'm, I'm from, um, from a town called Barking, which is, it's like a London borough. Have you been before to London? Yeah, yeah, I've gone. To, I was actually just there like probably two weeks ago. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> um, I, I'm, yeah, I'm there. I'm there all the time. I actually might be flying back some point next, late next week for a project. So that actually two of the projects are actually in, in the UK. Um, so yeah, I'll be, I'll be back over, over the pond in no time. <laughs> well, give me a shout. That'd be good. I will. I will. I will for sure. So you, like your photography, you just mentioned that you, um, that it's like a creative outlet for you. I read on your, on your website bio that you picked that up when you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. With your mates and documenting life with your mates. What, what did that look like? Yeah. For me, I mean, it started, it kind of started in like a non, I guess, traditional way. <clears throat> like I didn't pick up a camera, like wanting to be like, you know, anyone really. Um, for me, it was my, my shoe, my shoe in the door was actually shoes. Um, I, I was, I collect Jordans now still to this day. I probably have too many shoe boxes in my closet. Um, but my my friends in high school and I are all kind of had they all they're all footballers as well, former footballers, um, and we all kind of wore the similar size. So like one of us was probably eight and a half, one of us was a nine, one of us was like a nine and a half, and we all like kind of just collected various Air Maxes, Jordans, Nike SBs, and like eBay was the way that you kind of sold and flipped your shoes back then. Um, and it kind of just turned into like, okay, now we have like, we collectively bought a camera and then like it went from taking pictures of shoes and having like a great eBay account. to so this is when also like Facebook became a, accessible for like people our age, like people were not in college. So like young high school kids. Um, and it was like, okay, well now we have this, you know, this tool to kind of have the best Facebooks <laughs> and MySpaces out. Um, and we turned into just kind of shooting each other, but then also we were all like, playing for the youth national teams who we were traveling the world. We were going to Argentina and Brazil. And we're like, we individually bought cameras and kind of started, started documenting our own lives. And it kind of just took, you know, turned into like a full-time hobby. Like we were the guys that had the cameras and like, you know, taking portraits of each other. Um, and then we all separately went to college and kind of like, it kind of died down for a bit. And then when I turned pro my rookie year, I was just like, I have so much free time on my hands. Like I need to do something other than sitting on the couch and playing FIFA. Like, and just or like just thinking about in my head about like the pass I missed in practice or like I need to do something with my time. Um, so I was like, let me pick up a camera again. Like, let me go. Now I actually can afford like a really nice camera. Let me go get a decent camera. So I got a Nikon, which now in my in hindsight, that's like I could have gotten something, something much better. <laughs> um, I got a Nikon and like a cheap 50 millimeter and just kind of started shooting and documenting my life. 
Um, and then it turned into like where I am today. It kind of turned into like brands kind of, you know, spotting spotting the work I was doing. Um, somebody in Philadelphia Union, when I, after I got traded there, um, wanted to hire somebody to shoot a Michelin S campaign because they were doing a collaboration with Michelin S. Um, and they actually were like, why don't we, well, Ethan, why don't you just shoot it? And that, that was like the first time I actually got paid to do a shoot was like shoot doing a shoot for my club, <laughs> the club that I played for. Um, wow. Yeah, and then that's moving to New York obviously turned into like accelerating things because obviously New York being New York and, you know, we're at the fashion capital and wherever all the creative kind of stuff happens. I kind of just turned into that. So it turned into a career off, off, off the pitch. That's crazy. Did um, did the union try and negotiate some sort of deal with you because you're already on the book when they got you in for that shoot? <laughs> I'm sure they tried. I'm sure they tried. <laughs> Probably didn't tell me. Under the table. I guarantee you a starting spot for the next 10 games. I know, right? I should have, I should have, put, that in the, I should have put that in the deal or something. Yeah. <laughs> so that picked up the speed pretty quickly then. I'm just uh, deciding that you needed to use your time wisely and to then shoot in like a commercial campaign. I seen at the deep end, isn't it? Uh, yeah, a bit. I mean, I I had been shooting so much, like because I like I said, I didn't really want to be like anyone. I was kind of like just looking at how I saw the world. So I, I didn't have like a trained eye on like saying like, okay, you should take a shot like this. You should shoot this shot like this. Or like, this is how you're supposed to take portraits. Or this is how you're supposed to shoot sports. Or this is how you're supposed to, you know whatever um i was just kind of shooting and how i saw life and i think that's how i was able to adopt the style um so for me like getting thrown in the deep end wasn't a very super like nerve-wracking thing i was like oh i'm just gonna shoot how i always you know see it myself because people are already coming to me for how i shoot myself you know i'm not like they didn't i think yes i got kind of thrown in the deep end with like immediately working with the brand but it wasn't like they gave me a, a mood board and they were like, we want this shots like this. I think that would have like really kind of made me nervous. Um, but no, they were like, kind of like, just, you know, shoot how you shoot. You already have the insider's perspective because I'm, I was shooting my teammates. So like the, the, the hardest thing to get over with the photographer is making sure the models are comfortable. And with me, it was just like, I'm in the locker room with these guys every day. So like, it was just like, you could tell with the images that I was kind of an insider. Um, so I think that kind of showed through the work too. Yeah, it's a good point you make there. I actually spoke to a guy called Alexander, who you, you may know him. He's a Melbourne City photographer. And he does a, does shoots for New Balance. And, okay, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, fantastic photographer like yourself. And he said, yeah, he said similar to you know, you know, you have to kind of you can't be a fan when you're shooting athletes or or any kind of celebrity. No. Um, so it would have helped no end that you're kind of like just picking around with the guys, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And like, sometimes it is a hurdle for me in particular, because some of the guys are like people that I know too well. So it's kind of like trying to like, it's okay. Like, let's stop joking around. I need to get the shot kind of thing. Like I already got the one of you laughing several times. I already got, I don't need any more ones of you talking. I mean, I need like a stern, you know, a stern look just to have like a different kind of vibe to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, like, like I said, it's that, that getting the person familiar, uh, comfortable is the, is, usually the biggest hurdle so but you left union and went to, to dc is that right or have i got the order wrong did you start at dc yeah so i i started in dc and then i went to i was in dc for three years then i went to philadelphia and then i went to new york and at, at what point did i mean that's your the, the shoot you did for the union did that kick off your photography mm-hmm. career 
quite quickly around your football career? Uh, yeah. I mean, that kind of, that was like the first time. Yeah, like that. That I guess it kind of clicked in my head that like, oh, there's something here that I could actually. I never thought of it as a way of making money. For me, it was just like a way to spend my time not in the house. Like obviously resting my legs and like doing all the things I needed to do as a professional, but like just a way to document my life. Um, because I think the life that, that footballers live and, and professional athletes in general live is, is one of that, that um, is often glorified and, and it, and it should be, but it, I, I wanted to document it in a way that is, is very real. The day to day, what I actually do. Did you want to be a, uh, a, football, a pro player when you were younger? Was that a dream that you'd harbored? Oh yeah, that was that was the only thing I ever wanted to be like my entire life. Like if I'm, I'm, I was a footballer for I want to say six or seven Halloweens in a row, <laughs> wearing wearing the same exact costume. Um, so that was like the only thing I knew. My mom always knew that I was going to be a footballer. I got um, like offered to go to academies in France, and, and unfortunately, my mom made me turn them down. But you know, in hindsight, she made the right decision. Um, but no, like I never wanted to do anything else, but be a footballer. I wanted to go and play in champions league and the world cup. And that was always my, my mission. I think once I got actually in, 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 into the system and and, into like actually playing in an environment, um, a bit of that changed. Um, I think after I got traded to, from, from DC to Philadelphia, I think my mindset around the sport and kind of just like the structure of the league and being a professional athlete kind of changed a bit. Um, which kind of like also kind of pushed me into a way of like, oh, you need to do more than just being an athlete. And I think that's also, that's around the time I clicked. Was the trade like a bit of a red flag for you then in terms of like a, a potentially like nomadic existence and a, like a, a loss of control over your your own life in a way? Yeah, exactly. It kind of felt a bit like that. I mean, the way they kind of, the whole kind of thing unraveled um, or kind of played out was I played out the, I basically played my, I was basically when I signed it, they told me I was going to be like a project player for like three years. Like I probably wouldn't play many games for the first, you know, I was young. I was, I signed when I was 19. Um, So they told me I wasn't really going to play that many games. Um, You know, you're just, we want you in an environment, Um, you know, we'll see how you do. Um, two players ended up getting injured in my position. I ended up playing like 30 games that year, my rookie year. And then I ended up getting a bad injury with the national team. And then that, I missed the whole second year. Then they told me again the, the, the third year, at the start of the third season, I probably wouldn't play that much. Another player gets injured and I played like another 30 games and played really, really well. Um, and then we went into contract negotiations that off season and I signed a new deal. And then two weeks later, I got traded. So for me, that was really like, oh, I don't really have any, like, there's no loyalty in this. <laughs> there is no, like, I'm the hometown kid. I, you know, I played in the academy for years. Um, and then to get traded after I signed what you, what I thought was going to be like, oh, I'm going to be in D.C., my hometown for the next four years of my life. I ended up getting traded. And I was like, oh, this is like, I'm, everybody's expendable. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, it doesn't matter how well you play or how well you do or, you know, what your name is, where you're from. You're expendable. And I saw so at that point, I kind of felt like a pawn. So I was like, I need to figure out like any day can be taken from me. One from injury. I'd already seen that being traded. Um, and like, yeah, I kind of felt like I need to do something that's like outside of figuring out what else, I, what else I offer as a human being. 
um, or what else I, what other talents I have, um, that can kind of distract me and, and, you know, keep me busy if this thing does end one day. How did that feel when it's like a, a game that you've been in love with your whole life and you make it to the promised land as it were, and then you kind of stay aside to it, I guess that rubs the shine off of that a little bit. Is that, is that an upsetting experience? Uh, it's sobering for sure. I mean, for me, I still enjoy the game. Like, like I'm like child, like I, I'll go, I'll still go out and play now uh, in, in the Bowery league and like have the time of my life or I'll still kick around and play pickup. So it's, uh, it, the game never is less fun to me. It was more so like I saw the side of like, I guess the business side of it, you know, where like franchises are looking out for their own back. Managers are looking out for their own back. Everybody's kind of looking out for themselves. They're going to do whatever they can to kind of make sure, you know, things go well and you might be expendable. Um, so for me, yeah, it was the, it was, it was tough. I mean, like, I think that around like that time that I got traded was around the time when I started considering retiring. And I was like three years into my playing career. So yeah, it affected me pretty, pretty, pretty greatly. You mentioned the Bowery League there. Do, do you know uh, Lucas Potsy Shanks by any chance? Yeah, yeah. Actually, he's a he's a. I share I share my studio with him in Brooklyn, and he's a, yeah. I actually play on his team. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We spoke for issue eleven. We had a US themed issue. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's, yeah, he's great. He mentioned the league. He told me all about that league. It sounds like you've got some amazing talent over there. Yeah, the league's great. The league, the league's great. There's a lot of. There's a lot of former pros. There's a lot of like former like D1 college guys that are decent level. Um, I feel like Lucas and I's team is probably like on the older end of the of the spectrum because like we're there's divisions. So there's like D1, D2, D3, D4, um, and we're the oldest team, the second oldest team in D1. Um, so you'll get like younger guys that are fresh out of college running around super hard, you know, putting in ridiculous tackles. <laughs> And then you'll get like Lucas and I's team literally passing the ball the whole time, and then we might win two 0 Yeah, those it's, it's fun though. It's definitely fun. Does he make you wear his shirt by any chance? No, no. The the, the team doesn't. The team doesn't wear. <laughs> the team doesn't wear his shorts, but I definitely have a pair. <laughs> As like an ex-athlete, I guess like you you like you're conditioned to be competitive to a degree. Does the Bowery League and the fact that it's got all those ex-pros and college athletes satisfy? satisfy that part of you now that you're away from the game uh it does it does a bit it does a bit because it, it gives me that like it's, it's gonna sound somewhat crazy but like you know like we'll I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll play there's like an invite only pickup that happens here on tuesdays and that's kind of with the same it's like the all-stars from bowery and that's more like lighthearted and fun. And like, you're, you know, it feels like training where you're like, you're kind of playing five V five or seven V seven to small, small goals. And you're kind of talking shit with your players and your, and your, and your teammates. And it's like competitive, but it's fun competitive. It's like for bragging rights. Bowery now is more like, that's where you're kind of getting like your physical battles in. And like, I feel like that's I'm, they're, they If I play both Tuesday and Thursday within a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm getting like the full gambit of like exactly what I want from football, what I miss from football, you know? Like one part is like bragging rights. Another part is like the physical part. Another part is just like, you know, touching the ball as much as you can. Um, so that's kind of like, it's a mixture of things. Um, Tuesdays is definitely my favorite, but it's the hardest to kind of like work into your schedule because the timing is kind of off. Um, but yeah, this is the first year that I've actually fully committed to the to, two power league teams and we're both in first place so 
fingers crossed we bring home a trophy this year <laughs> definitely still competitive yeah he's def- definitely still got it in you oh yeah 100 percent. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how old were you when you how old were you when you left mls uh 27 that's still that's quite young isn't it right yeah i was young i was young i actually had a i went overseas to um New York was great, so I'll, I'll still step back. New York, New York was my by far my favorite franchise to play for. Um, played under Vieira, un- unbelievable manager. Helped, like really looked made me look at the game differently. Um, and then at the end of the year, we had conversations, and that ended up like we're not working out. Um, so I was I told my agent at the time I was like, look, I either want to stay in MLS for and and go to one of these franchises, or I want to have like a very unique like life experience where I want to go overseas. Um, whether that be Asia or, you know, somewhere in Europe where it's like, give me a completely different situation. And I ended up getting a contract offer in Norway and I went out there, enjoyed it. Um, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, so they ended up giving me a contract and, and, and offering me a contract. And I ended up making the decision that day. And I was like, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. So I ended up turning it down. And then um that's like literally a week later i was jumping into the creative field was that a difficult decision to make yeah not really because like i said i've been thinking about it since i was probably 23 like i like in my head i was like you know i don't the lo- the moment i no longer feel like i need this is the moment i'll be out and i felt like football had given me every, like playing football had given me everything i wanted in terms of like the friendships traveling the world you know the experiences um and open the doors that i'm still like walking through now so um, I think that I think walking away is, is it was the, obviously a, a, a scary experience um, from playing because you don't know like am I am I actually good enough in the creative space to, to make a living? Um, but then like obviously like I, you kind of lean on those uh, relationships you made. So I was able to you know start working with my buddy Adidas, working with Major League Soccer. So within the, within a few weeks, I was like from playing to shooting. <laughs> um, so the transition was seamless, um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it was it was a scary decision. But I'm glad I I'd never regret it. I haven't regretted it one time. Do you think there's any uh, there are any transferable skills from your experiences as an athlete that have helped you succeed in the creative field? Absolutely. I mean, like one is like I think the competitiveness in myself. Like I I will never, and then I think also the attention to detail and like being a perfectionist like i i think i learned that from and, and persistence as though i guess those are the four things i kind of will take from it um because obviously you don't get to a certain level of, of playing as a as a professional athlete if you don't demand a certain amount of progression from yourself every single time and but also knowing that like as an athlete you won't you will only get as far as you work like if you're not, you're, yeah, you can go so far on talent, but you have to kind of p- keep pushing that, you know, you have to combine that with, with a hard work ethic to, to be able to actually, you know, get somewhere. Um, but also persistence um, for sure. Like, and luck that, that, that comes with, you know, you have to kind of make your own look. Um, so being, being persistent and in, in, in like continuously shooting and trying to shoot and, and asking people and like, I did an internship while I was still playing at Players Tribune because I wanted to learn more about, you know, those, I think there's those kinds of things as, as an athlete kind of groom me to be able to, like, navigate and kind of tell myself, put your head down, good things going to come, believe in yourself. Um, 
yeah, and like that's probably one of the biggest things is just believing in myself. Like I wouldn't have been able to walk away from a career if I hadn't got if I hadn't looked at myself in the mirror as a teenager and saying I, you can do this, you can make it as a professional athlete. I would probably wouldn't have had that same conversation when I you know got was twenty seven saying you're a good photographer, you could do this. You know, where does that come from in you? Do you think that um, that drive and that work ethic? I think it's family. Uh, I think it's family, but I also think like I think my brother has a lot to do with it. Um, he and I would train like summers all summer. Like if we weren't traveling for playing, we were training, we were training together and it was constant, like either he and I with the trainer or just he and I, um, one-on-one. And that, I think that's where I got the competitiveness. I think that's where I got the, you know, the discipline, um, and the drive. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, he was a big influence on, on me with that. Um, but then also my parents are, um, my dad's not from a, you know, a financially affluent family and my mom's a first generation from Germany born in an orphanage so like I think that that work hard head down things are going to come if you just do the right things um it's kind of just groomed and instilled in me as a kid so make your own luck kind of uh, mentality I guess exactly and then built. what's the saying is a there's a was I forget the exact wording of the saying but it's something like uh hard workers seem to be the luckiest people or or they seem to get all the luck yeah something, something like that. that yeah there's a definite correlation yeah, between yeah. the two I'm saying that like I'm a very hard worker. I'm not. It depends what it is. I'm very selective <laughs> when my competitive, like, competitive nature lies. Definitely, I could probably learn. You gotta a enjoy bit it. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta enjoy it first a bit. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the photography world now, the creative, creative world, and that's taking you to some interesting places, isn't it? All over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all over the world. All over the world. You. You were looking for a new challenge, like a life experience through football that Norway didn't quite give you. But I guess you've been able to satisfy that that need for some life experiences through this avenue instead, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's I've gone um, so many places I didn't imagine I would go just because of a camera or, or ball. Um, some of the most impactful ones have been like, like I went to Jordan. I went to the refugee camps and, and they were building fields for the, the Syrian refugees. And um, one, seeing what the sport did for them, um, just kind of like rolling balls out and letting these kids play and just seeing them smile again and like was like an unbelievable experience for me. Um, but two, being able to document as a, document it as a photographer was, was incredible too. Obviously, like seeing the game change people's emotions and make people super happy but like being able to be the one documenting it was was one one incredible thing and something i will never forget um another one was just like i remember being uh on this on the on the field at the 2019 champions league final in madrid and realizing like that day on the way to the to the, to the stadium you know you get alerts on your phone like one one year ago today kind of thing it was like literally almost like a year ago to the date that i decided that i was going to retire that i was like shooting the champions league final on the field and i was like i made it <laughs> i made my my dream my dream came true somehow you know I was, I was, i'm still on the field yeah mission accomplished wipe your hands at everything after that now it doesn't get any better than that. exactly i made it i made it one way or another you mentioned earlier on that when you would play you would spend time after the game worrying about misplaced passes or fretting over your performance is that something that that you worry about after a shoot do you look at your do you analyze your performance in the same way 100 percent, 100 percent. i think that's like um 
I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's instilled in me from my parents too. <laughs> um, but <laughs> very possible. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, I think that's natural. I think it's like a, a good way to kind of self-reflect and critique yourself before somebody else does. Uh, it's just kind of like, I'll look at images and be like, damn, I should have shot that like this, or it would have been a good idea if I did this. But because I think it also just flags, you know, what I could do in the next shoot. Um, and I think it's only how you get better. Um, but yeah, I think I'm the I'm I'm my own biggest critic for for sure. And my my fiance will, will tell you like, there's so many images that I don't post or or, or like promote that I that I've taken. And she's like, you have all these incredible images. You should print them and sell them. And and I'm like, I'm they're they're not to the level I want to be at yet. Um, so yeah, I I, I think I still deal with that. <laughs> that's interesting. I think that's like a curse of a creative that you're never entirely happy with your work. I do that with um, well, every issue of the magazine. Um, you'd spend so long looking at it during the draft stages when it's like Word documents, then layouts and, and all that kind of thing. And then by the time the magazine lands on the desk, you notice something that you think, how has that gone? I've missed that every other stage. And you notice like a, a typo or a double space. And then for me, that issue's ruined. I'm like, okay, that's the best time. Move <laughs> yeah. on. Like we have to, you have to go again now and yep. make it better. And rather than looking at what you have created, you know, exactly, you kind of pick the holes like, in it and um, yeah. beat yourself up about it, and maybe sulk a little bit. And I think exactly. that's maybe like a again, that's the like a a trait of someone in the creative field is like the yeah for sure the moodiness, the you know if things are not quite right if we've just lost control over something a little bit yeah perfectionist man notoriously hard on ourselves i'm getting a little bit better at that now i think i'm getting a little bit better at that now but um yeah they still it still does bother you a little bit right i think i had the same when i started this podcast as well when i just had these visions of something in my head and then soon realized that that wasn't even me though really i was trying to create something that didn't really align with my own character so i was trying to force something and the moment i let that go and started to just treat this as as fun and as play it's been a more, much more enjoyable experience yeah i've had, I've had to tell myself that at times yeah do you, do you look at shoots as work or play considering it's something that you did as a kid to me now yeah i see it I have to tell myself that but like i think i think the day of the shoot i'm good or if and I'm, if i'm shooting football on the on the on the day of of, of the, like the match to me to be honest football is the least of my worst worries like i'm not worried like when i go to capture football it's like okay this is my element like i know exactly what i'm shooting i know where where to shoot because i've been in that the, i've been in every single person shoots before i've been the fan i've been on the bench i've been on the field like i know exactly kind of like how to tell a nice story within a stadium and like document the game in a, in a great way um but but now getting its creative direction and doing things that are kind of more like thought-based and like more prep work that's kind of where i stress so like the day of the shoot is my least stress day the days leading up, I'm like, oh shit! Like, is this gonna go well? Is this gonna go well? Is this gonna go well? Did I forget this? Is, is this is this person gonna perform how I expect them to perform? Is this, you know, that's that's kind of like the uh, the lead up is what is kind of what gets me. That's where my stress comes now nowadays. The day of the shoot, I'm good. The fear of the unknown is always worse than the reality, isn't it? 
Yeah, exactly. And then I'm then then I'm then I'm one set, and it's like, yeah, you tell yourself I've done this a million times. Yeah, it was just, it was the same as it was the same as when I played. It was the same as when I played. I would um, I would be super super nervous, and then the moment that we walk on the field for for warmups, and I touch the ball like once, I'm like, oh, I, why did I even overthink this? This is I've played the game every single day of my life. Like the what? This is no different. This is just another day of me playing. And that's kind of what I, tell, I have to tell myself when I'm shooting too. It's like, oh, I'm only, this is one, this is just photography. <laughs> it's, it's not like I'm saving a life or it's it's just, I'm just taking images, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, I got to tell myself that. Um, I guess as well, nothing's more terrifying than walking off into a changing room with Patrick Vieira after a bad performance and a defeat, right? So if you, if you can survive that, you can survive a bad day on set. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it must have been a great privilege to to play under and learn from from someone like that yeah yeah and, and especially being an arsenal supporter as well oh nice yeah huge arsenal supporter yeah did you have a fanboy moment yeah yeah i mean i i walked in like when we on the first day of the season we you know, when you arrive at the, at, the, at the facility kind of going through all our medicals. So like the way that it was set up when I was there, not the team has not moved. Um, you walk in and like all the doctors are there and they're kind of like, you're kind of going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And then you walk in past the locker room and then you, to the back is the the, the uh, meal room. So I'm kind of like walking past and like I walk past his office and I hear him say, I hear someone say my name. I, t- I turn around to Tim and I'm like, oh shit, well one, I'm a, I like I wasn't expecting to meet him today, on on that on that day. Two, he's like six five, <laughs> and like a, and like we're in like a tiny hallway. <laughs> um, and three, I was just like blown away that he knew my name. Like I was just like the the guy that I've looked at and said this is my captain for like years. Um, is is obviously like talking to me like I'm one of his players. And he knows my name. He's like he's like talking to me about how I play the game. And I'm like, oh, you've seen video of me and. For me, it was that that was like the moment where I was like, "Oh shit, this is actually I'm sitting talking to Patrick Pierre right now." But that was the only time. I, that was the only time I had that. After that, I was kind of like, "Now I gotta perform." <laughs> Play it cool now. Exactly. Going back to that shoot in um, Jordan, did that give you like a, a a new outlook on on what football is capable of? outside of like your previous perceptions of it or had you had any experience with, with that before? I mean, I already had experiences with that before. Like I would always, I, during the off season, kind of towards, I guess around the time, time I got traded actually, I, would, I started taking like trips every off season to somewhere that was like, kind of allowed me to kind of escape. Um, not not any like Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca kind of kind of thing, um, <laughs> but like kind of like just leave. I can kind of like just be in a whole different element. I called it like my reset button. Um, so I would I would go to places that were often like not third world countries, but like less fortunate than America, and kind of just if I saw someone playing, I would immediately try to jump in and play with them. Obviously, sometimes people were like, oh, you know, you know, different cultures are different with, about it, um, but like. I had gone to an island in, in Panama called Bastimentos, and it was like a really, really poor island. But like all the kids, you could hear the kids from like when you arrive on the island, like just yelling, making a lot of noise. And I ended up finding the pitch where they were playing. And um, I think like seeing that and seeing the joy that those kids have was such like little, like 
running water, food, like, but like seeing the joy that they have when they're all playing together around just a ball and like talking trash, even though I don't understand them, but you can tell with the body language that they're bragging or like, you know, like those kinds of things are like what I kind of continued to kind of kept me in, you know, kept me in love with the, with the game. Um, and that's why I started playing, you know, I think that's the root of why we all play football is like those, those emotions we have as a kid in those times when you kind of forget everything else and you're just playing with the ball and your friends are, you know, laughing like a, like a, like a five-year-old. <laughs> that's what I would always say to like, you know, when, when, um, when people ask what it's like in the locker room, I'm like, it's like a bunch of 10 year old boys. Like <laughs> that's, that's kind of what it's like. Everybody's like making jokes and like talking shit about each other. And you know, you know, but you don't have to be an adult. Um, so like coming back to what your question, like, I think I'd experienced that kind of like seeing the joy of that, but like never in such contrast to what the, what their reality is. So like seeing, like knowing that some of these people, some of these kids have lost their parents. They have never, they haven't seen their parents. Or some of them have never even met their parents because, or they probably met their parents, but they don't even remember their parents because they lost them at such a young age. Um, or seeing, seeing, in, but like, or going back to where they, you know, they slept and like such, unfortunate conditions um but then you know we take them on the pitch and like they're they've forgotten about everything they're kids they're they're at, at the at the essence of it they're you know just young jovial kids um so that was like not eye-opening but like super super rewarding for me did that in any way kind of help you relate to yourself as, as a kid like did it take you back to just what, how you started when you see these kids go onto the pitch and just kick a ball about, you're like, oh yeah, this is what it was like or, uh, before it all got a bit serious. Yeah. Cause you can kind of put yourself in their shoes and like, you're kind of laughing with them. Like you're, you're not, even if you're not laughing, like on the outside, you're like, you're like happy with them. And then you kind of form relations, like, and they can tell and you form relationships with them, even though you're not, even though you can't speak because we don't speak the same language. Um, but like, I think that's what was super that's what the game does so well. It allows you to communicate raw emotions in a, in, in such a simple way. Um, like I can't mind to tell you the amount of times, like you can go, you can go anywhere and roll a ball out and pass the ball to a stranger. And you'd be like, Oh, okay. You might smile at each other or like you might see someone juggling and like give them a wink. And you're like, okay, I can tell that guy's a footballer. Like it kind of breaks down the, the barriers, all barriers. Um, and I think that's that, like I said, that was super eye opening. And, and yeah, it definitely brought me back to like the reason why the game is so the reason why, you know, like I said, I got like why I play, why I played, why I got into playing, why so many other people play is just like that raw emotion, that escape. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful game. Do you still do those trips now, even though you don't have an off season? Do you still find that do you need those resets kind of keep you aligned in your current career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Like they, uh, I think like one being in New York, obviously that makes <laughs> New York is a city where you have to get a reset. <laughs> um, uh, but also like, you know, like I said, just, the. Uh, I think it's, I think those trips allow me to kind of just be in, back in touch with like the natural, simple things in life that we, that when you're kind of in the day to day, you take for granted. Um, like just enjoying nothing like being on the beach with no phone, just a book sunlight and some crashing waves. 
obviously that sounds like a vacation, but like you can be, you can go enjoy that and not have, you have nothing. Yeah. And I think I, I, I still seek those out. I still go to Panama with my fiance every year. Um, we try to go somewhere else. That's kind of like very, very unbeaten path that kind of like allows us to kind of put things in perspective and not, you know, avoid the extravagant vacations because that's just, I think that's living. Obviously those are great, but those are, uh, like a fairy tale life. I kind of, I think, I think I, I like to go kind of the opposite way and, and, and feel like this is what, this is how, how can you find happiness with having very little? Yeah. The, uh, and the extravagant holidays, I guess, won't help with that Manhattan rent. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. Manhattan rent is absolutely absurd right now. That's why you're going to Panama. That's why you go to Panama every, every <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, save, save a bit of coin. <laughs> <laughs> save a bit of coin. Exactly, yeah. What um, what do you think is the, like, through both of your careers, are there any like, recurring challenges, obstacles that have come up that have taught you something about yourself in testing situations? perfectionist for sure like I'm, I'm a perfectionist to a fault i think like like i said when i go to training and i've messed up a pass and i know i should have completed or can't complete i'll think about it for the next five hours and let if i if i mess up in a game it's even worse <laughs> um so it's so it's it's, it's similar it's similar in, in in photography if i think of like oh my god like if, if i with if i take a, a photo whether at a match or at, or, or for some campaign shoot and my settings are wrong, but I missed the moment that I was like, Oh, that would be an incredible, like natural moment. But my settings are like the photo might come out completely black. I'm like, fuck, that was the one photo I actually wanted. Um, and I'll think about that for days on end. I might even like write it in my notes, like make sure when this happens, da, 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 da. um, so I think that's definitely one thing I learned, but I've also learned that like, I think with the resets and those kind of those those you know those kinds of you know getaways allows me to like learn how to deal with the stress of high pressure situations and not like dwell on the negative things too much and 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 because that kind of just comes with existing as a human being. Um, it's how you deal with them and how you recover from them. Um, it kind of determines the, the the results of you know your outlook. Yeah, I was um, speaking to. Carl uh, Martino for the last episode, and we were talking about uh, balance, finding balance in life. And he said that it was, well, in his opinion, that professional athletes are notoriously bad at finding that balance, and like when to how to like to find time for self care and uh, and and. Uh, I guess yeah, that sounds like something that you can can relate to. But do do you like kind of do you put a pin in that until you go away on these resets, or do you have any day to day tools that you call upon to keep yourself kind of aligned, straight, and I guess at, at peace? When I retired, I didn't realize how how much I enjoyed routine and how much I like kind of needed that structure. Um, how much I kind of need, I like really, really needed that structure of like, wake up in the morning, have you have your coffee, go work out, um, and then attack your like kind of work for four hours, have a break, a midday break, and then work for another for another four hours. Um, and for me, without that structure, I kind of felt lost. I kind of felt like I wasn't achieving anything. I think giving that giving myself that structure was 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 what I needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I one thing I 
definitely, definitely need is I'd have to work out. I have to, like, in order for me to function well up here, I have to feel, my body has to feel great. So um, with the knee injuries I've had over, throughout my career, I ended up getting a bike. So I, I bike everywhere. I bike to my studio. I bike to um, the gym. And then my studio, um, I'm, I bike everywhere. Once it's warm, with it, as soon as it gets above 50 degrees in New York City, I'm on my bike. Um, so that's one way. I think the the physical, I have to, like, my body has to feel good for in order for me to actually function um, both well, you know, creatively and mentally. I think a lot of my best ideas come when I'm on my bike. Cause I'm like, I'm just doing something that's, I feel like my mind is just free at that moment, you know? So obviously completely different levels, but I had a serious knee injury a few years ago, it took the best part of a year to get over. And I found that really difficult um, on a mental level because you're, um, your body's not doing what you're used to it doing. Um, and it can't, I guess, like on a, in maybe it's like a bit of like the egoic mind is that like, oh, my body's not doing what I need it to do, rather than switching that and thinking, oh, I need to do what, what my body needs me to do now, which is rest and yeah, you know, go through these um, rehab processes and whatever. Um, but that, I mean, I, but I really found that that affected me mentally when I couldn't exercise as I was used to exercising during those. Yeah. Like even just bending down to put on a shoe. It's, 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 you feel like you, you feel like a shell of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what did you do in those moments when you're like your, your go to fit for keeping physically and mentally healthy is on hold? Like how do you get around that? Um, I mean, for me, like during that time in my career, I, I would try to watch as much of the game as I could. Like I, I would, I would, obviously I think I went into a bit of a depression and I think like after when I picked myself up, I was like, all right, well do what you can in this situation. Cause like, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit around for another four or five months or however long you're out. Um, so I was, I just like started watching games and like just started looking at other things, um, that I wanted to do inside the game or outside the game i think i just wanted to take advantage of the time i had um the free time i had because that's really all you have when you're injured <laughs> is free time you do, you know you're just kind of just sitting there between ices and massages and then whatever else um you just have to kind of find ways to be constructive with your time um so yeah i mean that's that's that was for the most part what i did i watched a lot of football um tried to learn as much as i could outside of the game and to kind of enjoy like what the game brings you as a just being in that environment um and then also just kind of like the kind of thing i think i kind of started studying more of like i think i dove into like walter ios and walter ios is now one of my favorite photographers I don't, I don't know if you know who he is but he's michael jordan's old for photographer yeah. um and i think around yeah, that time no, i'm glad you just said his name i've never known how to pronounce that surname, so <laughs> i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> yeah walter ios <laughs> I think that's I think that's around the time that I kind of like dove deep into his work and was like, okay, this is how sports photographers kind of like do their thing. And like, obviously, he's shooting Michael Jordan, so like his work is gonna reach unbelievable levels. Um, but um, yeah, I think I was just constructive with my time and like kind of dove into like different, looking at different things of like who I wanted to be, what kind of player I wanted to be, just kind of trying to stay busy, um, reading, yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely strike me as the person that's constantly looking for a way to improve or you lean towards the positive 
Um, doesn't seem like I can even get you back for too long. You've got a very clear vision of what it is you want out of life. So you've got to figure out a way to go and get it. Yeah, for sure. I, I have a hard time sitting still. Um, it's a it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything that kind of stops you from dwelling on what's going on in the, in the brain too much, I guess, right? You've got to keep busy sometimes. Exactly. What's coming up over the course of the next year for you in terms of projects and any goals? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to just keep trying to trying to you know, get my work out there, obviously, one thing. But, like, I wanted to um, keep documenting the game. I think, like, I want to keep documenting the, the different a- aspects of the game, whether that be, you know, the fan aspect, the um, the, the player aspect being, being the, probably the main one that I really want to get into. I want to really, really want to start telling stories with players because, I you know, I was in those shoes. Um, and I feel like now player, players is beginning to become more outspoken about, like, what they do off the field, but also the lifestyles they live. Um, but I think there's levels that, that, that can, you know, we can continue telling, telling those stories. I think there's athletes doing a great job of it now, like LeBron and, you know, with and, and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant with their own platforms. But I think footballers can kind of get into that space as well, um, especially in America. I think America is, is a way of, like, kind of leading the charge. Um, but I think that's kind of the direction. But also um, documenting more more documenting of like the actual essence of life of what, of what like living in certain cultures is like and and how we can kind of share those cultures with one another um like my project in venezia um i'm kind of trying to take that and shop that around to different different clubs around the world and 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 show that like showing showing the natural beauty of the community that that clubs have and cultures have is, is the shoe into the game. And then that's how you kind of grow the game. And, and I, I want to be part of like, part of the um, the people, I want to be like the Walter Isles. <laughs> I want to be like the Walter Isles of football eventually, of like a lot of people's introduction into like, you know, seeing like but a lot of people might have said, oh, I saw that Jordan picture. And I, now I know who Jordan is. And I want to go to Bulls game. Like that's kind of like how I want it to kind of be for, you know, people to look at my work, um, whether that be through a campaign or, or you know, through some sports stuff. But, it's kind of where I don't want to go. Um, for for what I have coming up, um, more work, <laughs> more work. I'm going, uh, hopefully, going back out to Greece to keep working on uh, that that project with with Ted Filipakos uh, and Athens, um, and then some other things I can't really, I'm not allowed to say right now, but uh, <laughs> some some good things. But it's quite a beautiful thing that you've carved a life out of two of the passions that you've had since you were a kid. Is very rare that that people get to to do that um so yeah good on you you must feel very kind of at peace with yourself and your life at the moment yeah i i am i am when i step back and think about it um not often do i i don't i don't do it enough of thinking about uh, like look at all the things that i've been able to accomplish because you know i think you kind of get stuck in tunnel vision mode you only see like three steps in front of you and you really look back and that that the things you've already accomplished but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely blessed to, to have, you know, not one, but two dreams come true in the lifetime. And I'm still, you know, 32 years old. So um, obviously still grinding away, but definitely, definitely fortunate. Mike, thanks so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate you spending the time. And it's been great to, to learn a bit more about you and, and how you got to where you are. And really looking forward to seeing what you've got coming up. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, or even if you didn't, please forward on to a friend. Uh, if you haven't already, hit the follow button and keep an eye out for more content from MPLH on Twitter and Instagram via at NPLHMag. See you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget to hit the follow button and I'll see you next time.